You're listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. Well, Thanksgiving is here, right? And I know we always get to this point of our year and go, how in the world did Thanksgiving already get here? How many have already said that this, this year already? Thanksgiving's here. And of all the holidays, and we're starting the holiday season, right? This is the very beginning of it, of all the holidays. While I love Christmas, while I love the thought of a brand new year, uh, I really love Thanksgiving. It feels like over the last couple of years of my life, I've really kind of really accepted this idea that Thanksgiving is probably the most important holiday in my personal life. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I have a lot of great memories of Thanksgiving. Uh, A lot of great memories growing up of going to my grandparents' house in Dallas uh, we'd gather around the same dinner table every single year, have the exact same menu. Anybody there with me on that? It's the exact same menu every year. Um, and it's usually followed by a very, well, a very celebratory or quite often a very dismal Dallas Cowboys game. Um, but hey, they're doing good this year, so give me some, come on, give me something, all right? Another great memory of Thanksgiving that I have is uh, Kara and I spent um, Thanksgiving in the middle of an ocean on a cruise boat one year. Uh, nothing like eating your turkey and dressing while the boat rocks uh, you back and forth. Uh, and probably the most, though, um, uh, memorable Thanksgiving I have was when Kara and I again were on a trip. We were actually in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, over in Southeast Asia. And uh, we spent the holiday over there with some missionary friends of ours when we were living in Texas. And uh, they gave us this full spread American Thanksgiving turkey dinner in the middle of a village in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. And it all tasted the same, I promise you. It was a very special holiday. But around this time of year, I always, especially in the last few years, seemed to get a little bit of angst in my spirit, um, get a little anxiety about it because I feel like over the last decade or so, that Thanksgiving gets a little cheated sometimes. I don't know if you feel that sometimes. We all, have the, want the, we all want the Christmas feels, right? We all want the Christmas holiday spirit, but Thanksgiving kind of gets a nod and we move on, right? I know that retail often has a race sometimes to get all of their uh, Christmas trees out, their Christmas ornaments and decorations, to get all the Christmas sales out. I think Good Friday started in August this year. Uh, it's just one of those things that retail is on the move, right? To always get things out first and earlier and earlier. And maybe this is you, and when I say this this morning, I'm not judging, so please don't, say, please, don't, please don't hold this against me, all right? But maybe this is you, that as soon as the 4th of July is over, you start pulling your Christmas tree down from the attic, and you start setting up all your Christmas tree stuff. Now, Kara and I, uh, for the longest time, had this hard and fast rule that we would not do any Christmas music or any Christmas decorations until after Thanksgiving. Anybody there with me on that? Okay, more than I thought. Um, <laughs> But over the last couple of years, we've kind of given ourselves some grace. And uh, even this past weekend, my wife transformed our home into a beautiful Christmas winter wonderland that would rival any Hallmark Christmas movie out there, which we, not we, she watches a lot of them. So um, (laughs) my point in all this is that we long for the Christmas feels, but I pray we don't miss the pause of Thanksgiving. I pray we don't miss the pause of Thanksgiving. Last year, we Pastor Charlie and I sat down and we kind of started this idea of a, of a, Christmas, of a Thanksgiving service here at Gateway, the, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And the idea is, again, for us to hear stories like we've heard this morning and to worship extendedly this morning. But also, really, the whole idea was for us to pause and as, a, as a body and to stop and to give thanks. And let me just say this this morning before we move any further. Gateway, God has been very faithful to Gateway. 
God has been very gracious to Gateway. God has sustained Gateway. God has provided for Gateway. And God has, God has protected Gateway in a lot of ways. And so we gather this morning and we invite you into this as a, as a Gateway family this morning to join and say, hey, God, we give you thanks for this. We give you honor for what you've done in our lives through this. And you've noticed, I may have, you notice this word I've used a lot already is the word pause. And as I was praying through this service, I, this word pause kept coming in my spirit. Because at the root of thanksgiving, this idea of pausing is, is, is there. It is rooted in this word of pausing, to stop and to reflect, to remember, to, to cease everything that's in our lives and to carve out time to simply go, God, you've been good to us. And so we stop and we honor you. And so this idea, though, is so much bigger than an American national holiday. You see, Thursday is the day that we've carved out. That It's a federal holiday. It's something that Abraham Lincoln put into a proclamation back in the 1800s saying, hey, the fourth Thursday of the year is going to be Thanksgiving. But I think it's good to be reminded this morning, church, as we kind of push into Thursday, that Thanksgiving is not just rooted in an American holiday. It's, where, it's rooted in the Word of God. And so that's kind of where I want to turn our thoughts in the next few minutes that we have before we close out this morning, just to kind of recenter our heart and our mind on the Word of God and what it has to say about Thanksgiving. So if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to hang out in Psalm 103. We're going to unpack the first five verses of it this morning real quickly, real succinctly. But really what this is, is David gives us a very clear picture of really what Thanksgiving is all about. He kind of gives us the recipe, if you will, of what Thanksgiving is, the why and the how of Thanksgiving. And in a few, just a few days, you're going to pull out your favorite recipes and make all your favorite casseroles and all your favorite desserts. You're going to follow step by step in order to have this beautiful end product of a dish, right? That's what David has given us in these five verses is a very succinct kind of overview of what are the most things to be important, uh, be thankful for in this season. So let's read this together this morning. It says this. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Probably a familiar verse, right, of a, a pastor friend who I, I love to listen to named Matt Chandler. He would call this a coffee cup verse, right? You probably see this on a coffee cup hanging out. But I, I hope we look at it through a, a really fresh lens this morning of Thanksgiving. You see, David starts this, writes this passage probably, as we understand it, later on in his life. And it would make a whole lot of sense for him to do that as he kind of gives us the most important things to be thankful for. Because the older you get, I feel like you really kind of weed out the things that aren't as important and you really focus on the things that are. And David writes this in a very, from a very deep place as he starts it. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his name. That word bless this morning simply means that we are to praise the Lord. He starts out in the posture of worship. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Meaning he realizes what he's about to unpack and tell him, tell, tell his own soul and remind us this morning is worth so much more than just lip service. It's worth so much more than just singing it or saying it. It says, he says, I have to let it well up in my soul, that it would take over all of me. So I bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me, I will bless his name. But if you notice in verse 2, he says it again. He couldn't help but say it twice. He says, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and do what? Forget not all his benefits. 
This word benefits threw me off for a really long time whenever I would read this passage. And I think it's because I would try to frame it up in the mindset of what we see as benefits in our society, right? So maybe you have a job that you go to every single day and a part of your financial package is you get what? Benefits. Maybe it's retirement, maybe it's time off, maybe it's education opportunities, whatever it may be. You're given benefits on top of what you receive monetarily because of the hard work that you do. You put in the work, you receive benefits. But when you take a step back to what David is unpacking here this morning, these are things that the world can't give us. The benefits that he lists out in these first five verses are the things that the world can't give us. No, they're they're grace-filled gifts of God. We can't earn it. We certainly don't deserve it. They're gifts to us. And it begins to unpack these benefits to us. And David uses uh, a very strict word in all of this. He says, do not forget. I am the most forgetful person at times. You can ask my wife. She will tell you. Actually, don't ask her. Um, I re- she, she'll tell you, I remember what I want to remember, and I will do what? I forget what I want to forget. That's just our society. We tend to go through our life. We tend to go through life in culture and work and family. We even tend to go about life in church. And what do we often do? We often forget all of his benefits that he's done for us. And so David begins to unpack these benefits. And in just a few minutes that we have this morning, I want to unpack these to really, again, recenter our heart on this idea of what true thanksgiving is. The first one is this. He says, who forgives all of our iniquities. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all of our iniquities. Think about that this morning. He's forgiven all of our sin. All of it. Even the one you just thought of, he's forgiven it. The minor ones, the major ones, if you will, the ones you did yesterday and last week and last year, the ones you do today, and guess what? Even the ones you do what? Tomorrow. All of our sin. And Paul writes this in, in the New Testament in a very, very, very poignant way. He, he writes in Ephesians 2, he says that, he reminds us, we've actually sung this this morning, that we were dead in our trespasses, that we, we pursued the ways of the world, that we, that we were sons of disobedience, right? But the most hopeful two words in the New Testament come about in verse 4. And he says this, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Maybe you didn't hear me. By grace, you have been saved. Amen? Amen. Every sin gone. And this is such a massive thought. I don't want to move past this thought too quickly to think that everything that we've ever done, every selfish ambition, every vain pursuit, every word, thought, deed, whatever it is that would be classified as sin, he erased it once and for more on the cross with his blood. What a massive thought to even think about that. And we could stop right there and go, that's enough for us to give thanks for. But no, he, David continues the thought. He says, not only does he forgive our iniquities, he says that he heals our diseases. And I think David here is referring to both a spiritual healing and also a physical healing. He's continuing this thought of this idea of healing, uh, forgiving all of our iniquities by saying, hey, you were once dead in your sin, but I've healed you, I've made you whole, now you're alive in Christ. But then there's the physical healing side. And we've already heard some great stories this morning of how God has intervened and he's healed. And I'm sure we could walk around all this room this morning and hear story after story of how maybe you've been healed. Maybe you've prayed for a loved one to be healed. Maybe you've prayed for a friend to be healed. 
I, this, this, re, this came reality in my life uh, back when I was in ninth grade for the very first time. My mom uh, woke up one day and she couldn't move. It was the scariest thing I remember seeing as a ninth grader and a freshman in high school. And we took her to the hospital. And I don't remember much about this, but she, she was diagnosed with Guillain-Barre, which is a, was a virus that attacks the nervous system. And she spent several weeks in the hospital. And the one, thing I, the one poignant thing that I remember about this whole ordeal was the fact that I, would, I saw card after card and letter after letter in her hospital room from churches and believers all over the world who said they were praying for my mom. The body of Christ coming together saying, hey, we're praying for healing for your mom. And my mom walked out of that hospital room a few weeks later, healed and whole, and no symptom of it ever again. That's the power of the healing of God. Now, you may ask yourself, you may ask me, you may say, does he, does he heal everybody that we, when we pray? Not always. Does he heal how we want him to heal often? Not, not usually, not sometimes. And I can't stand here this morning and 100% confidently say I know the answer why or why not. But I do rest in the sovereign hand of God. That God does as he wills. And ultimately with those who trust Christ, though they may not receive their physical healing on this side of heaven, that they receive their whole physical healing in the presence of God one day. And no matter the case, we worship and we give thanks. David reminds us not to forget. And he moves on it's in this second or this third benefit. He says this. He says, not only does he forgive us of our iniquities, does he heal our diseases, but number three, he redeems us from the pit. See, David writes a lot about this in, uh, in the Psalms. And specifically in Psalm 40, he writes a very, again, another one of those coffee cup verses, if you will. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. What David's saying is here, hey, remember that time that your life was spiraling out of control and God stepped in and gave you a purpose and direction? Do you remember that time that you felt surrounded on all sides and you felt there was no way that God was going to be able to step in, but yet he stepped in and he made a way? Do you remember that time that you were blinded by what the world had to offer? And yet he stepped down and reached down into your very mess and pulled you out of it. Cleaned you up, covered you by his blood, and redeemed you. Do you remember that? Because if you do, don't forget it. Don't forget it. And I want you to notice as we kind of journey through this passage this morning, kind of the, the order. He says that he forgives our sins. He continues that thought as he heals our diseases, and then he redeems us. But it wasn't just enough, David said. That wasn't, if, that, if that wasn't just enough, he goes and does this. Benefit number four is this, that he crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. Not only does he bring us out of that pit and redeem us and restore us back to him, now he's going in and he's changing our identity. No longer are we called slaves to sin, right? We're called free in Christ. No longer are we enemies of God. No, we're friends of God. And no longer are we orphans, but we're what? We're sons and daughters. We're heirs to the kingdom of God. When we adopted our little girl, Cambry, about three years ago, um, we finalized this adoption in February of 2019, uh, 2019. And we stood before a judge with friends and family, and we, um, 
she, she charged us with a lot of things. But the one thing that I'll never forget and that we talk about often is how the judge looked at Kara and I, and, and, and I'll summarize what she said. She says, look, you can, you can disown your four sons. You can take them out of your will. They have no inheritance to your estate. You can say, hey, you're no longer part of our family. But this little girl that you've adopted into your family can legally never be taken out of your estate. She can legally never be taken out of your will, and she has full right and inheritance to everything that is yours. And I remember hearing that that morning and just being overwhelmed by the picture of what Christ did for us. As he, as, as he stands there and says, look, you are mine and I am yours. You're an heir in my kingdom. You're a son and daughter of, of me. And nothing can take that crown off of your head. Your identity has been changed. And I don't know who needs to hear that this morning, but your identity in Christ is firm. Nothing can take you out of his hand and nothing can take you out of his family. And so David is reminding us, don't forget that. So then David closes out this psalm and this part of it and says, um, not only does he forgive our sins and heal our diseases, redeem us from the pit and crown us with love and mercy, but he satisfies us with good. He satisfies us with good. God as a father wants good things for us, right? As a father for my five kids, I want good things for them. I want to give them good things. Now, my definition of good things and their definition of good things may not always equal out. But there's the old adage that says, father knows best, right? I'm not perfect, but I have lived a little bit longer than them, right? And so I know what's best for my kids. And so I pray that what is best for them becomes very important to them in their life. See, James reminds us also that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. Now, my definition of good and perfect and God's definition of good and perfect may not always match up. But he knows what's best for me. And so we trust and we rest in the fact that what is good is what he wants for us. The same for us is true uh, of this idea that this, what is good is constantly renewing us and restoring us. It says this, it says it's restoring us like the, like the eagles. If you know anything about eagles, and I'm not an expert by any stretch, but I read this week, and it was interesting that the eagles over a year span uh, do a very unique thing. They, over a year span, their, their feathers get weighted down with oil and with, with dirt and with Everything they would encounter, it just gets gross and dirty, right? And over a year, at the year span, they, they, they tend to go through a molting process where they shed off their old feathers and new feathers grow in. New feathers that are clean, that are new, that, are, that give them strength and vitality, that give them a new strength and confidence in who they are. And that is the picture that David's pointing here in this, in this passage where he says this, you will be, your strength will be renewed as the youth of eagles. See, the good things that, that God gives us when we, when we really press into them and be grateful for them, he takes those things and he restores us. He renews our spirit. He gives us new strength. And David again wants us saying, do not forget. Do not forget that he is all about good things for you. So just a few short days, you're going to gather around a table probably with some turkey and some dressing and cranberry sauce. It's either from a can or homemade. 
whatever you prefer. And you are probably going to go through the obligatory traditions that you do at Thanksgiving, and those are all great. But let me charge you this, this, this morning, church, to not gather in Thanksgiving out of tradition, but gather more out of intention. To really be grateful beyond the surface level things and, if you, and, and, and really take to heart what David is reminding us here. To not forget. To not forget his benefits. But yet to, to, be, to just truly anchor into this idea that he is for us and not against us. That he would spill his blood in our behalf that we may have life and life to the fullest. That he would heal all of our diseases. That he would redeem us out of the pit. And he crowns us with love and mercy. And he wants the best for us. You may say, I don't have much to be thankful for. Well, I just gave you five reasons to be thankful this morning. And that's the core of where it starts. And church, let me, let me charge you also to say, count your blessings this, this year. What do you mean by that, Chris? Actually speak out loud what you're thankful for. Don't just give the 20-second prayer before your meal on Thursday. Actually speak out what you're most thankful for as you look your family and friends in the eye. Verbalize it. Count your blessings. Because bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And do what? Forget not his benefits. Let's pray together this morning. Father, in the short amount of time that we've unpacked this passage, I pray you're beginning to stir something in our hearts. God, this idea of thanksgiving is is from your heart. And so this morning, we want to anchor into this idea that we would just take a minute. God, would you stir something in our spirit of coming back to the very important things of Thanksgiving? That we would pause, that we would stop, push all distractions away, and we would simply be humble enough with an attitude of Thanksgiving in our heart to say thank you. Church, in just a minute, we're going to continue to worship, and you can stay seated. You can stand. You can come to this altar. We have communion over here. I can't think of a better way to maybe kind of recenter your heart on this idea of thanksgiving than to take communion that was given us to remember the broken body and the blood of Jesus. But Mike is going to lead us this morning, and we're going to have a time where we just kind of recenter our hearts on thanksgiving as we push into this week. So however you want to move, this is your time to respond. Let's worship together. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.